codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 185 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast, recorded Thursday, August 7th, 2014, live on trekradio.net and available for download or streaming on Monday, August 11th, 2014 at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Cookie. And I'm Jace. And in the recording booth is our audio engineer, Skiffy. Hello. All right, let's jump right in. Cookie, what do we have in store this week? This week, we check out our Star Trek Las Vegas reflections and talk about our most memorable moments from the convention. In STO news, Delta Rising has been officially announced and the forums go wild. We'll review the highlights from the announcement and discuss the buzz from the forums. What else have we got, Jace? Well, in our Community Spotlight segment, Elijah sat down with Alec Peters during Star Trek Las Vegas and got the latest updates about Prelude to Axanar. After the interview, we'll talk a bit about our own reactions to the film's midnight screening at the convention. Later on, we'll open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming from you, our listeners. Captains, this week, Candace Zenzinger touches on all miniature gaming and the difference between board games with miniatures and actual miniature games. Check out this blog and others only on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Captains, because of your loyal support of Priority One Podcast, Elijah, Jason, and I spent an unforgettable weekend representing you at the 2014 official Star Trek convention in Las Vegas, Nevada. That would not have been possible without you, our listeners, our supporters, our friends. And it's important to publicly thank Skiffy and his wife, Shani, for trekking out to the convention and spending their personal time and money to record on phenomenal professional equipment that has helped capture content like never before. Unfortunately, we regret that the rest of the Priority One team could not be there with us. But our turn time on production could not have happened without the help of Ben and Steve back at home. And to go even further back, three years back, Without Brandon and Mark's support of James, Elliot, and me, Priority One wouldn't be where it is today. And last but not least, a big thanks to Cryptic Studios and Perfect World Entertainment for their support throughout this entire endeavor. Thank you for your support of Priority One Podcast at this year's Star Trek Las Vegas convention. Well, Captains, let's check out our favorite moments from this year's 2014 Star Trek Las Vegas convention. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Captains, this last weekend we had an amazing time representing you at the 2014 Star Trek Las Vegas convention. It was an unbelievable experience, not only to be there with the majority of the Priority One podcast team, but to be able to work for you, with you in the back of our minds saying, okay, for those people that cannot be here, what do they want? What do they want to see? And so we did our very best to provide that type of coverage, specifically around the announcement from Star Trek Online regarding the expansion titled Delta Rising. 
So let's get a little personal here. Let's get a little, you know, one-on-one and talk about this experience because for someone like me, this is my third year. And so memories from this year are, are much different than memories I'll hold and cherish from years past. But I want to hear from Cookie, from Jace, from Skiffy, who's, this was their first experience, their first experience in a all-out Star Trek convention, specifically in Las Vegas. So Jace, why don't you go first? Why don't you talk to us about your fondest memories about the convention? Sure. What I liked about Star Trek Las Vegas is the sense of scale. Because it's much more of a destination event where the cons I had been to before were fairly local. So it was specifically mostly local folks, you know, a couple hours drive at most. Uh, This brought in fans from all over the country, probably all over the world. I know we had some international people there. And it gave us a much bigger opportunity to meet other STO players and even listeners of the show. I thought it was great we got to meet Sacha, Saval, Moreblade, Bazag, Mike, and many more. I mean, we had close to a dozen people throughout the weekend at some point who were in actual STO uniforms, let alone other STO players or, or fans or folks who were involved. Whereas at the Cherry Hill Convention, other than our group, we met maybe a, a couple other people who even were aware of STO, which I was impressed that we bumped into anybody. You know, we even saw the one fellow who was in a homemade STO uniform back at the Cherry Hill Con, and that really stood out in the crowd. Here, we actually were able to get group photos of, you know, an entire crew in STO gear. Cookie, how about, how about you? What was your... What was your favorite experience from the convention? Hanging out with you guys. Ah, <laughs> that was the top thing. That's the ma- that's the main thing I liked the most. I mean, there's lots of different things that happened, but if I wasn't with you guys, it wasn't as fun. So, like I said, there's so many things, but one of the things I I liked was the the evening where we were covering the Prelude to Axanar screening, and you got to moderate it. And um, you got a paper cut. Yeah, I did. I did. And you were like, oh, no, I got a paper cut. I'm bleeding. What am I going to do? And so I pulled out my Band-Aid, and I gave it to you. And the look on your face when you opened that (laughs) (laughs) Band-Aid was so funny to me because it was a Candyland Band-Aid. And here you were about to moderate this panel and you had to wear a Candyland band-aid on your finger and people noticed. <laughs> you got compliments on that band-aid. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's right. I moderated I had, I had the opportunity of moderating the screener after of a Star Prelude to Star Trek Axanar and uh, there I am flashing around a Candyland <laughs> band-aid. But thank you. Thank you for saving me because otherwise I would have bled out from my little paper cut. That's true. That's true. And those um, things really sting. They do. They do. Um, you were in your medical uniform that day too, not that night, but you did have it on that day. Yep. I'm the chief medical officer of Fleet 31, so I always keep Band-Aids on me. Skiffy, are you sure you don't want to comment? Uh, I think I already said my favorite part was when you guys got on a plane and left. Oh, oh wow. I'm kidding, I'm oh, kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, actually, <clears throat> I, I mean, I stuck around an extra day after you guys and uh, then drove back to L.A., but it was uh, it was pretty lonely without you guys there. So it was, uh, I, I, not to steal Cookie's answer, but hanging out with all of you guys was really really neat i mean it was nice to there was a definitely a different dynamic to being in person rather than being you know thousands of miles away recording via you know team speak and whatever else other you know, technology was used 
But yeah, I, I definitely miss you guys, and I, I can't wait for the next event that would bring us all together. Absolutely. You know, as I mentioned earlier, this is now the third year that I've had the honor to uh, visit Star Trek Las Vegas in a professional capacity. And for Priority One, it's always been a bit of a coming home type of experience because, you know, as many people don't really know this, but we are all scattered across the United States, the globe. We're all scattered throughout the globe. We have an audio editor in Australia, a QA support staffer in the UK, artists in the UK, our web developer, UK, and then the hosts and Skiffy were all scattered all throughout the United States. And so even if it's just for four days to be eight or five, to be able to fold in these all these corners from the globe and breathe the same air for just five days is a remarkable experience. And it adds an entirely new dynamic to the chemistry that you'll hear in future episodes of Priority One Podcast because we now understand our inflections a little better because we've seen what we look like when we say something. It adds a whole new level, and it's an experience that I look forward to every year, being able to come together with a team and provide not only just amazing content, but be able to get to know everybody better on a more personal level than I would before, just on TeamSpeak and a microphone. You know, the other thing, Jace, to go off of what you said, being able to meet so many listeners and fans of the show, like Sacha, like Saval, Bazag, Mike, Chris, Chris Trone, he was there too. For me to be able to shake hands with people that invite us into their lives every Monday morning is an absolute humbling experience because that's what they're doing. You know, we're plugged into their ears every Monday morning and it can be a very intimate interaction, right? They are listening to our voices and we're talking with them. We're engaging with them in a dialogue every Monday morning and to be able to take pictures with them, shake hands, converse with them, it adds an amazing new level and dynamic to the podcast listener relationship and it's just remarkable you get a lot of con depression post-con depression after you depart and you leave with everybody because you want it to continue you want the fun and the excitement and the camaraderie to go on not just amongst the team but amongst other star trek fans right how how often can you sit around a table you know having dinner or at a bar masquerade bar sipping down a warp core breach and, and talk about Star Trek episodes. Talk about the Gene Roddenberry vision. It's an amazing experience. But then again, you know, one could argue that if something like this were to be, you know, every weekend, it would die out pretty quickly. And I can see that. I can see that. It's You appreciate the experience much more when it's once a year, when they're few and far between. What Elijah's saying is that's about as much of us as he could put up with it. <laughs> <laughs> Just to clarify. <laughs> So, I mean, the dev panel was fantastic, very well organized, very well put together. I had a blast at the iBar being able to sit back and talk not only with the devs and take pictures and dance Star Trek Online dances in our... Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> in our Star Trek Online Sierra uniforms was... Do the snake. Yeah, you know, that videos of that will be, will be surfacing up, I'm sure. But just having that opportunity is fantastic. Uh, and the iBar was a really good experience for captains to be able to sit and talk with the developers and, and get to know them a little bit more on a personal level, as well as understand the developers' excitement of the game and giving the developers a chance to really put a face to names on the forums and a face to the players. Uh, I think it's a very healthy interaction. 
And it was fun too, you know, the developers were handing out raffles and giving away prizes and, and you can tell they were a little frazzled after just having done a panel. I mean, you know, they were still coming down from that high, but it was just a, such an amazing experience and I hope that everybody uh, had the opportunity of attending because it was great, it was great. I mean, we actually, we barely spoke to any devs other than taking pictures of Nick dancing on tables. Uh, we were talking with listeners like Sacha and, and Morblade and, and Mike and Chris, they were there and, and they were they were actually talking to us more so than they were talking with the devs and, and that's just an honor and a privilege that I thoroughly enjoyed and I'm thoroughly honored uh, to have been a part of. So thank you, thank you everyone. Yeah, and you know, the way we linked up with Sacha in the first place was that he recognized Cookie and ID'd her and Skiffy's voice too as we were talking coming down the hallway. So that was pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, that was crazy. He was just like, uh, Cookie? Skiffy? Jace! <laughs> He's like, just recognized every single one of us. Yeah, man, it's been an absolute honor to be able to work with you guys and the humbling experience to have been there via the support of our listeners. There isn't much more I can say to that. I mean, it's just all around a, a, a really nice, nice experience, a nice weekend. And, and I thank you all. You guys worked your butts off representing Priority One Podcast. You worked tirelessly to make sure that we covered everything that there was to cover. I mean, Skiffy, you know, I know you said that you were bringing equipment, but it just, like, it didn't dawn on me what the heck you were bringing. I cannot put into words, it was a small house of equipment to have that level of professionalism, unlike years before where I've just been walking around with a little Zoom handheld recorder, and then all of a sudden this year having a 4K camera and everybody being mic'd up, uh, you know, wirelessly, and just went beyond my expectations, beyond what I could have possibly have imagined for this year's Star Trek Las Vegas experience. And, you know, I can't thank you and Shani enough for having joined us on your own time, taking your own vacation hours and joining us for this experience because it would not have been the same without you. And I'm not just talking about equipment. I'm talking about the dynamics of having you there and Shani taking care of us and making sure that we were fed and that we had breaks and coffee. And, and I mean, sure, things could have gone differently, you know, in certain aspects, but ultimately what it boils down to is that we provided some phenomenal content. It's been an honor serving with you all. <laughs> Likewise. So, Captains, we encourage you to uh, stay tuned to Priority One Podcast in the coming days and weeks because we will be releasing more content and coverage of Star Trek Las Vegas and not just pictures and audio, but also videos. We did go around the convention vendor room hall and interview several of the vendors that were there building relationships and talking to people, including an interview with Garrett Wong before the Star Trek Online panel. So that's interesting to hear because it had not yet been announced and he couldn't really talk too much about his involvement with Star Trek Online. But that was a very fun interview that Cookie and I had the opportunity of conducting. Um, so anyway, you're going to want to stay tuned to PriorityOnePodcast.com or subscribe to our feed at feeds.priorityonepodcast.com because you're not going to want to miss a beat of our coverage of Star Trek Las Vegas because we got a lot of it, more so than any previous year, thanks to Skiffy, to Shani, their equipment, and their dedication and devotion. So again, a big shout out to them for all their hard work. Discover something that you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about? Send them over to us via incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. Well, Captains, let's check out what happened in Star Trek Online News. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. All right, Captains, a huge week in Star Trek Online news. Obviously, the biggest news we have is the official announcement of Star Trek Online Delta Rising. If you have not yet trekked it out, we do have an official announcement on the Star Trek Online website. 
uh, posted by Laughing Trendy on behalf of Steven D'Angelo, executive producer. Now, we covered the official announcement at Star Trek Las Vegas in episode 184 with audio recording both of the dev panel and the following Q&A. So I encourage you to check out last week's episode to, and bring yourself up to speed. I do have a quick addendum as the promotion for the Jem'Hadar attack ship being available within the duty officer packs right now. Uh, and I quote, with the release of Star Trek Online Delta Rising, this starship, either from this run of the promotion or from previous runs, will be upgradable to tier six starship capabilities at no cost. Now, this does not answer the question of other lockbox and low buy ships. However, much like when the fleet grade ships came out, the 10 console ships with the additional 10% hull and shield strength, we can infer that something similar will be available for those ships as well. The little addendum to the dev blog was specifically referring to the Jem'Hadar attack ship. Anything beyond that is speculation at this time. However, we can expect a dev blog on ship upgrades and such in the near future, according to Al, and that uh, uh, nothing will become obsolete. And that's, that's the biggest thing that I think right now um, is the topic of contention with, within the forums since the announcement on Saturday, August 2nd. You know, obviously you had podcasters and broadcasters like ourselves immediately tweeting, Delta Rising, new tier six ships. Ah! Um, and then, of course, later on rebroadcasting that. But I think that between Saturday and then Monday's evening release of Priority One Podcast, there were still a lot of unanswered questions. You know, some people didn't get the opportunity of watching the live stream through trekradio.net. Uh, others were just simply following little bullet point reviews that uh, that uh, community members had posted on things like Reddit or the forums. But it's one thing to interpret it and try to summarize and condense the information versus actually hearing Al Rivera or Steven Ricosa talk about it. it. I can't imagine that Tier 5 ships would be just made absolutely obsolete. And like Al and Steven Ricosa had repeatedly said, there will be some type of mechanic or some type of introduction of a new system that will allow players to upgrade their Tier 5 ships into Tier 6 ships. That's absolutely correct. It was... Uh, he did say it would not be through the crafting system, though we may be upgrading existing gear through the crafting system, uh, but not the ships per se, and that current Tier 5 ships would have a way to remain competitive with Tier 6 ships, though the new ships may have some new features that are desirable, but not an automatic, this is just better. The idea is to provide a greater breadth and depth of selection, so we have more interesting choices about what type of ship to field. Uh, rather than, okay, now we're now going to have 13 consoles and two commander slots or, or something very uh, a bland sort of upgrade. There's going to be a new type, which they described as a subclass of bridge officer, which that type of seat may only be on the new ships. So there may be some new bridge officer abilities that won't be able to be slotted on our existing ships. However, our existing ships will have other advantages to compensate for that. It's going to be, let's make interesting dynamic choices as, uh, admittedly, as new ships come out, there are fewer and fewer niches to fill, right? How many different combinations of bridge officer slotting and console slotting 
and new types of uh, offbeat consoles can we come up with before we exhaust all the possibilities? Well, and let me argue this point. So what if the tier six ships turn the tier five ships obsolete? Isn't that the point of progress, right? Isn't that the point of forward momentum where we are now in 2410 and Starfleet and the Romulan Republic and the Klingon Empire have designed new ships Clearly, a new ship isn't going to be as good as an assault cruiser. I understand the time investment. I spent, you know, the last few months building up my Undine gear, so I'm not supposed to work towards any other gear. How different is a new Tier 6 ship to a, a new reputation project? The idea is progress. I want a new ship, and now in the what an MMO is, which is a living, breathing game system, why, why wouldn't I want to spend time now earning a new Tier 6 ship? Which is going to be better than my, than my, um, like an assault cruiser? Yo, that thing is old. <laughs> and although it's, although it's a beautiful ship, it's old. Now, let's talk about maybe like the Avenger. The Avenger is a beautiful ship and a very powerful ship at that if you know how to rock it. But there's going to be a next ship. How different is a new tier six ship, right? With new, with new hotness versus a tier five that is just, you know, a, a, a new configuration in some way, shape, or form with some some console that will seldom be used. How, why wouldn't you want a, new, a brand new tier six ship? I mean, I do hear, I, I did hear a lot of times people would be bored with the game, that they wanted new content, something new, and this is something new. I mean, this is really shaking everything up and I think it's kind of good in a way. I can understand that people are frustrated, but it's kind of true to life. Anytime you save up for something, spend a lot of your money on any kind of electronic, especially. I mean, six months later, it's gonna there's going to be a new and better improved version of it. So. A, a cellular phone. You are 100% correct. Every six months, your cell phone becomes obsolete. Obsolete. I have an analogy for that. You guys are using the phone analogy. I agree with that. However, similarly, if you take your old phone in and you want to extend your contract and you may be able to trade in your old phone for some value and get a reduced price on an upgraded phone, I'm fine with something like that. I'll be honest, this, this uh, announcement that it would be no cost for the upgrade to the bug ship, and I do have one, uh, it kind of exceeds my expectation. Because I'm perfectly fine with having to work in-game for some sort of upgrade to maintain that parity that the ship has. I see why they would do it with lockbox ships and, and that type of promotional ship. That makes sense. But like my fleet Galaxy Dreadnought, I will expect to have to do some new sort of project to bring that up to Tier 6 status. It would almost seem silly to me if I didn't. But, um, you know, I wouldn't say no if they're going to give me a free upgrade. <laughs> but, but I think that's a sensible compromise because you have to be sensitive in a free-to-play game. Like in World of Warcraft, when they would do a level cap increase, my old very rare or even legendary items were suddenly no better than green quality uncommon items immediately. Like the first zone of the new expansion, right? You can't really do that in a non-subscription-based game because people have specifically invested a lot of time and sometimes a ton of money in specific items because that's the trade-off you don't pay to play you pay either in time or money for whatever you have so whatever you have has a greater value than those purple items you did a bunch of raids in molten core or whatever four or five years ago i don't expect them to still have a value five years later 
in whatever, I don't even know what the current expansion is, Pandaria, I think. So I think they're, they're, they're going to tread a fine line, and there's people very upset about it, but they have specifically said this stuff will not become obsolete. Uh, in fact, my prediction, we don't have Tony making predictions anymore, so I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to say that crafting levels 15 through 20 are going to get populated with uh, upgrade paths and mark 13 and 14 items since those have been announced. That's my guess, because right now there's not a lot between 15 and 20, right? Well, uh, Cookie, how much of Voyager did you watch? I watched all of it. What are you looking forward to most in Delta Rising? I like the fact that they're going to expand the level to 60. That's awesome. Why? Because, like I said before, I keep hearing and I kind of... Sometimes I agree that we need more to do. I like how the devs said that they do want to eventually bring back true exploration type feature to the game. They mentioned PvP too, so there's some love there too. They don't know when, but they're, they are wanting to do something with that. So, You know what was interesting is when it came to exploration, um, when I had brought up the whole idea of doing community spotlight foundry missions that Stick, stuck with the story. I liked that Rakosa said, oh, that's an idea that, you know, I'll, I'll think about it. You know, that, I think that the foundry can be untapped. And, and I think I won't go into my rant again, I promise. But I like that he was open to that idea. I brought up, uh, Kate was sitting there next to me. Kate had written a, a great story for Star Trek magazine. You know, and I asked the question, "What's keep? what could keep you guys from creating a little one-off mission from time to time just to get people back in for some content? Uh, and I brought up the discussion about relying on the community and community moderators and, 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 and spotlight missions that were, that were, that whose stories were guided by Kestrel. Think th these little one-off stories like escorting the Aquarius. And, and Stephen Rakosa seemed uh, very, uh, very keen on the idea. So hopefully they'll, they'll think about that more so that that way players that are, are dying for some exploration content uh, will get it. But you know, th there was one thing that Al Rivera had said about exploration that I really, really, really appreciated was that if, if in its current iteration or its previous iteration, exploration had been introduced to the game now, what would the reaction be from the community? Oh yeah, that was a really good quote, I thought. Really good point. A really good point, because exploration as it was, was outdated and definitely, definitely could not was not in anywhere near up to par with with any of the latest systems and and content that was being produced by cryptic studios and the, and the content team you know if if exploration was released now the way it was taken down players would throw a fit so good point yeah it's outdated it's crappy take it down let's re let's rework it i think that the, the easiest way for them to do that would be to Take, take that responsibility off of their shoulders and let the Foundry community create missions and let those be the spotlight missions. Um, create a team of community moderators for the Foundry and let them do it and let them handle it, just like there are forum moderators, to close threads. Just to totally go in a different direction, because I think you said what needed to be said about that. What Cookie said about the new level cap uh, is kind of what I'm most interested in, too, because it will introduce an entire pathway of new story missions, which based on the story missions we've had before, should be multiplayer. Because yeah, to me, yeah. yes. what's been lacking from the featured episodes, although they've been amazing, is being able to group with friends. So since since we got back, I've been talking to friends of mine who play the game uh, real in real life, that I know in real life. 
and we agreed that we have not had much impetus to play together unless you're going to get in and do queues most of the stories have been single player there's adventure zones you can group up for them but you don't really need to you can just sort of dynamically group up with whoever's there um we we've done a lot of the queues we've done them over and over again and being able to actually level together through some new story content is really cool and i have missed doing that because when i leveled my original character I went through all that content for the first time by myself. So playing it again is cool and all, but it's not really the same I, as that first time. I, I think this whole single player thing needs to stop. I think, you know, I think right now, like you said, we're, we're clamoring for a, for more uh, pugs that are reminiscent of things like City of Heroes. I, I, I think that the community's hungry for it. They may not, they may, they themselves may not know they're hungry for it, but there's a level of camaraderie that can be built from playing content with other friends. It's true. I will flat out, I will play more if I play with somebody else. So that new episode, that latest one, I loved that episode. I loved it. But I only played it once because there was so many other things to do with my fleet mates and everybody was like, hey, you want to do this? Do you want to do that? I just didn't end up playing it again, even though I loved it and I still want to play it again, but because I was having to play it alone, I just didn't do it again. So I will play more if I can play with somebody else versus if I play by myself. I think that's the opposite of what most players feel. I think there needs to be a balance. And I, I mean, we've talked about this before, but the, sure, there needs to be a balance. But man, I just, you know, like Cookie said, I'm just tired of playing, you know, all by myself. Well, let me put it this way. I, I don't want, for at least for story missions, I don't want multiplayer to, to be a requirement. Let's just put it that way. No, no, not a requirement, but an option at least, because you're with your friends and fleet mates. What do you want to do? Okay, well, this is out because we can't do it to, to get together, so forget that. Let's do something else. That's pretty much what happens. Yeah, I mean, right now you basically have old story missions that you've already done or queues as the option to do multiplayer. And I don't always want to do a queue. That's like... I mean, it's not like they're that hard, but it's more like goal-oriented rather than run around in an adventure. We're going on an adventure, Charlie. I, like, I don't need to do ISE for the 120th time for camaraderie. What about you, Elijah? Did you say what you were most uh, interested in seeing? You know, honestly, it could be the, just the creative side of me, but uh, but Brad Stoken, who's the lead artist for Star Trek Online, um, solid guy. I mean, great guy. Uh, but it was nice to meet Brad uh, Stoken because he, he's got a really nice creative mind to him, a very imaginative mind. And and the way he described the art of the Delta Quadrant was fantastic, you know, especially when I asked him directly. All right, so what? how are you, as an artist, where are you drawing your inspiration and what challenges are you facing with it? Um, I, thought his, I thought his answer was fantastic. And again, Captains, you can find out what he said on episode 184 of priority one podcast that's priority one podcast.com forward slash p o one eight four but it was good to hear from thomas brad and nick about the beauty behind uh star trek online about the artistry behind it you know the environment um because you know the 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 intrepid class ship the interior that is spot on screen accurate. It's unbelievable. Looking at the screenshots of the interior of the Voyager Bridge, it was like I was looking at a scene from, from the actual uh, episodes. It was, it was really well done, really well done. And I'm looking forward to seeing that in game. 
Yeah, I've got to agree. Being a, a proud and, and very happy owner of the DS9 bundle with the Defiant interior, the what they have coming for the Intrepid, both the overhaul of the externals and the entire interior, including both options for the mess hall, Neelix's yeah. kitchen and the regular mess hall, yeah. looks astounding. And I wish I had gotten the chance to say more to Taco Fangs about it because he has since posted on Reddit about how that's really his baby and he's really been working on it a ton himself personally. The What I was interested in were the the ships, you know, those new Federation ships, they look a little, um, you know what they reminded me of? They reminded me a lot of the, what's the name of that ship? That, the obelisk. They had those jagged like, mm. edges, but also a smooth round feel to it. Um, like I'm we're incorporating interested. some of these technologies we've right. encountered. So I'm interested in seeing, in, in learning a backstory about these new 2410 ships, right? Because we're in a new era of Star Trek Online. You know, we only saw a glimpse of them, and I wasn't like, I'm not in love with them, but it definitely has my interest peaked. So I'm looking for, the Romulan ship looks sexy though. Come on, yeah, that, that Romulan ship looked look beautiful. I'm a Warbird aficionado, and that hit all the right buttons for me. I'm ready. So, um, so yeah, just just in terms of the of the visual beauty of, of Delta Quadrant, I think that they're going to definitely push the limits here, uh, and uh, and we're going to see some amazing things. And and you know, I asked Al um, during the Q and A. You know, I posed. All right, so sometimes we get all this content at once, and and it's done in you know no time. Is that going to happen again with the second expansion for Star Trek Online? And he, he says no. He says no. That you know we will be busy. We'll be busy for quite some time. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, all right, Captain. So this is uh, again this week's community question. So now that Delta Rising has been announced, last week we asked players to let us know about your just general thoughts of Delta Rising, the good, the bad, and and somewhere in between. Now we want to get a little more specific. Let's get let's get more hyper focused into the announcements, uh, especially as dev blogs start to roll around. So we want to know what specifically you're excited about, or what are you specifically concerned about? And for those of you that, that express concern, uh, give us some constructive feedback, because we're going to want to uh, be able to relay that. And as we know, um, you know, Perfect World and Cryptic do listen to these podcasts. So give us some constructive feedback. What, what are you concerned about uh, with uh, Delta Rising that you may have heard? And again, at the time of this recording... We don't have very many details, but you have, by this point, already heard the panel and the after-panel Q&A back at the Priority One Trek Radio and Stoked Radio booth. So um, so let us know in the comments section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com or in the official forum post for this episode on the Star Trek online forums. Well, Captains, that wraps up STO news for this week. Let's get an update on Star Trek XNR with a live interview from the Star Trek Las Vegas convention floor with creator Alec Peters. Alec, it's a pleasure to meet you in person. Yes, finally. a pleasure, finally. I know, after months and months of podcasting. I, absolutely, absolutely. So, Star Trek Axanar, Prelude to Axanar, hit San Diego Comic-Con and premiered there, correct? Correct. Talk to us a little bit about that. I mean, it's just been an amazing success. Everybody's just talking such amazing things about it. Give us, give us an update. Yeah, it, which is really wonderful and humbling that there's so much positive reaction. Because, you know, we're reading everything online. Yeah. 
And it's hard to find a negative comment about right. it. The negative comments tend to be, well, I think this or I think that, you know, which are interpretation mostly. Um, the, uh, everyone is so excited. It's not just like everyone's like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Everyone's just generally, I want to see more. I want to see. I wish I had a nickel for every comment that was, uh, I wish CBS would make this instead of that yeah. JJ right, track, right? right? right, right. So that's all wonderful. And, and we're just so blessed to have fans that love us and support us that way. And obviously, our Kickstarter is going now, so it's, the timing is good. And you can see the full 22 minute prelude tracks on, on our Kickstarter page. But uh, San Diego was amazing. You know, we didn't get a panel at the convention. And so we held the premiere at, at uh, Regal Theaters in Horton Plaza, which is the mall right nearby. And uh, it was great. We had almost 400 people out there. We had the whole little red carpet thing. We had the media there. It was amazing to see it on the big screen yeah. because I'd been watching it in edit bay for weeks and weeks. So to see it projected in this huge screen in Dolby 5.1 was astounding. The response was great. We did a Q&A afterwards with Richard Hatch and Gary Graham and Christian Gossett, our director, and myself. And that was a blast. And um, it was a great kickoff to, to yeah. this whole this little con season, if you will. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's that time of year where it's just all over the place, all across the country and all across the globe. Talk to us about the Kickstarter going on right now. What is it for? You know, give us a little bit of an overview of what's going on there. So now we're doing a Kickstarter. The rough budget that we've outlined based on our experience now with Prelude to Axanar to do a full 90-minute feature is about $650,000. You know, we spend, I think the budget on Prelude wound up being about $80,000. And that's because, as you can tell by watching it, it's it's really not a fan film. It's an independent production. We have to pay for studio space. We have to pay, uh, you know, heck, our craft services bill was $4,000 for two days of shooting. But that's because when you have professionals and you're, you know, we got most of our professionals for free. You know, we didn't pay any of them uh, outside of the cast. So they're coming to work for free. So you got to feed them good food, make them happy, right? (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, so, you know, soundstage costs $3,000 a day. I mean, the expenses add up. And so projecting that forward to do it right. And now we're going to be talking about a two-week shoot. We're going to have to pay the crew. Not, we're not paying them a lot, but we have to pay them something. Right, right. So you start adding all the numbers up, and we need to get a soundstage. And uh, I don't want to pay big bucks for a soundstage because we have to build sets. Right, right. So we're literally renting a warehouse for a year. Wow. It's a wow, huge wow, space. Wow. We got a ridiculously good deal on in Wonderful. Valencia, California, half hour north of Hollywood. And we're going to be building our sets there. We've got uh, a team led by one of the top set builders in Hollywood who's just rolling off Terminator that are going to build our sets. So the Kickstarter, we set a base goal of $100,000 just because that's what we made last time. So really, we need $650,000. Now, that's a lot to ask in a Kickstarter. So what we did was we said, okay, we'll break it down into chunks. Because on Prelude to Axanar, we were very upfront with everyone, like, here's what the budget is. And what our donors enabled us to do was turn a fan film into an independent film production. So it went from we need $20,000 to make a fan film to... Well, we spent 80000 to make an independent Star Trek project. Same thing here. To do it professionally, we said, okay, we're going to need this much money. But the first 100000 would be to build the sets. And then the next 125 is to get the soundstage for a year and to upgrade it with everything that we're going to need. And I lay it out very specifically. Here's what we're spending the money on. So however much money we get in this Kickstarter will enable us to do those specific things that we raise the money for. And that way, our fans and our donors, they know 
that their money is being well spent. I mean, there are other Kickstarters, even in the sci-fi category, that raised a lot of money two years ago, mm-hmm. and nothing really has come out, and we don't want to be those guys. Right, right. And that's why Prelude, we raise the money, boom. Yeah, you know, three, four months later, yeah, it's out. A, a great turn time, a great turnaround time, fantastic turnaround time. Now, when did the Kickstarter start, and how long is it going for? So it started just about eight days ago. It was the Thursday at Comic-Con. I forget that day. I think we have 24 more days left in the Kickstarter. Oh, here, let's take out our <laughs> handy iPhone and check the uh, uh, handy Kickstarter app, which will tell us where we are and how much money we have. So we have 22 days remaining in the Kickstarter. We've raised, as of now, $168,000, which is wonderful. You know, we're hoping to double that. I'd love to see us get over $300,000. It enables us to do everything in the with the soundstage in the studio, which would be awesome. And... Uh, we really love working with the donors, and our Facebook donor group is just a hotbed of activity. Good, good, good. I'll, I'll ask them for help on certain things, uh, which they're great about. They'll come like next week. We're at Houston, and we'll have some of our donors uh, at the Houston Con manning our booth for us. We'll ask them questions. What do you think of this, or what do you think of that? And we really like them, and they love us because we're all fans, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah, as I always say, you know, Elijah, you do this amazing podcast. I Thank make you. films. Yeah, yeah, our yeah. donors are backers. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone in the Star Trek community joins, and we all do what we're good at. It really is that idic principle in action. Absolutely, absolutely. So, what is this weekend like for you? Tell us about this weekend here at Star Trek Las Vegas. So, this weekend, Saturday night, is our big screening at the AMC Town Square, which uh, is a short ride from the hotel. We're just doing a screening there, just as, uh, for anyone who can make it. I know, all, you know, we've got a lot of you podcasters will be there, and, and uh, a lot of my friends are going to come, and whatever. Richard Hatch will be there. J.G. Hersler will be there. We'll do a little Q&A afterwards, and then we'll go drinking. Oh, uh, oh, good time. We're in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, 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 right? absolutely. What else are you going to do? Absolutely. So that's the big thing for us, and it's just meant to be a thank you to everyone who's supported Axnar. We is have this a, a, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. Is this yeah. a free event, or is it... Uh, oh, yeah, it's uh, totally free. Right. Everything's cool. free. And if you mention Priority One podcast, podcast yeah. you will get a free embroidered patch that's awesome. from that Axnar, which uh, you usually you have to buy. So, um, so it's meant to be fun. I have a booth here with StarTrekProps.com, my blog that's all about collecting Star Trek props and costumes. And we have four costumes on display oh, if you wow. stop by. We have uh, Nog's original screen use costume from The Visitor, Captain Nog. We have the Garth of Izar costume from Whom Gods Destroy. We have Trelane's costume from Squire of Gothos. And then we have a Romulan Commander costume from Star Trek Nemesis, which is really rare and people love that costume. So uh, I wanted to ask you, actually, uh, with a group of people, and we are talking about Axanar and everybody, how much they're enjoying it. The one question that kept coming up, and I don't know if you can comment to this at all, is... Is there any fear that CBS or Paramount's going to be like, uh, uh-uh, or, you know, like, stop it at any point? Well, you know, they've been working, CBS and Paramount have been working and dealing with fan films for a while now. And they don't have an official program like Lucasfilm does. Lucasfilm has this amazing official program. Oh, you're a fan film? Here are the rules and regulations. Oh, wow. wow. Sign off on this and we're cool. Yeah. Uh, CBS doesn't do that, which is disappointing. Um, and we, I've talked to them numerous times about it. Basically, the way CBS works is when you step over the line, they send you a C and D. Okay. And most of us have talked with CBS enough and know what the rules are that we wisely avoid it. You know, one a recent fan film step over the line and they got a cease and desist from CBS, and we're all looking at them, going, "What were you thinking about?" Right. So if you know the rules, you play with within the rules. You don't make any money. You can't charge for your your DVD or your Blu-ray. Um, you can take donations though. So that's kind of where Kickstarter has come into and Indiegogo. We take donations and make a movie, and we distribute it for free. So right now, anyone can get our movie for free on Kickstarter or on our YouTube page. There are all the old ones that we've done before. Um, So that's kind of how you work with CBS, and I talk to them 
first day of the con here on Wednesday, I, I ran into one of the nice people who work over there in licensing, and we chatted briefly, and as we always do so. Good, good. Well, fantastic. Well, is there anything that you want to tell our audience and keep them up to date about? Uh, anything we might not have talked about? Well, I would say go to Kickstarter.com and search Axanar, A-X-A-N-A-R, and please donate to our Kickstarter campaign. Help us reach uh, $300,000 would be a really nice number. That's the big thing. And follow us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, obviously. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, Twitter, everything. It's Star Trek Axanar is our username. And then you can also find us online, StarTrekAxanar.com. We have a website which we uh, try and update on a regular basis. And then spread the word. Absolutely. That's the most important thing. Absolutely. The more Star Trek fans that tell their friends, hey, check out Axanar, because it's amazing how many people in here have never heard of it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So that's it. Spread the word and come Saturday night to the Absolutely, screening. absolutely. Well, Alec, thank you so very much for stopping by and talking with us a little bit about Star Trek Axanar. I'm looking forward to the screening on Saturday night. And thank you for your support of Priority One during our Indiegogo campaign. Absolutely. Uh, you know, had it not been for our fans, Priority One would not have been here. And uh, so it's amazing how supportive our audiences can be. And so it's great. It's great. Absolutely, Absolutely great. Thank you so very much, Alec. Okay. Alec Peters, everybody. Star Trek Axanar. Thank you so much, Alec. Take care. So, as you just heard, we had a fantastic interview with Alec Peters, the creator, the mind behind Star Trek Axanar, and, of course, the recent prelude to Axanar. The man's got an amazing entrepreneurial and creative charisma about him, and you can, can see that when he's talking about his baby, the project Star Trek Axanar, uh, and it's infectious. And so, on Saturday evening at uh, about 11 o'clock, we were there, Priority One Podcast was there to cover the screening of Prelude to Axanar at a local AMC theater in Las Vegas. So if you haven't already, if, if you're not already familiar, Prelude to Axanar is a short, about 20 minute film, short film, in documentary format discussing the Four Years War and the battle at Axanar between the Federation and the Klingon Empire. But it's a great story. And if you haven't yet watched that 20-minute footage, be sure to visit their Kickstarter campaign. Uh, you can just go to kickstarter.com, do a search for Star Trek Axanar, and watch the 20-minute film because you will not be disappointed. So let's talk a little bit about our reaction to Star Trek Axanar. Uh, Jace, what did you enjoy most about this 20-minute film? Well, I thought that they did a great job at using existing lore to create a sense of drama. So they had to come up with original content, but they made sure they did it in a way that could be seen as seamless with both what we've seen in, say, Enterprise, uh, TOS, and even the pre-timeline shift JJ-verse, right? Because it takes place in that era just a few years before the original series. And they had a couple of nice nods without giving anything away about the arms race that led to the type of ships and armaments and weaponry that we see in the original series in which we've built on over decades to to see in Next Generation and DS9 and so forth. So I thought that was really cool. There were a couple nice moments that were kind of like you get a little chill, like, oh, wow, that's I know what that is. I know what they're talking about with just a subtle reference or visual on screen that you know what's going to happen next if you're immersed in the lore. Cookie, how about you? What did you what did you enjoy most? It was a really good story and I was listening pretty well until Kate Vernon, the character of Kate Vernon, talked about her nickname and it that made me laugh for a good 5 minutes and I missed that 5 minutes. I'm going to have to watch it again because that was just so funny to me and <laughs> 
the stuff that I did get out of it, yes, it was pretty awesome. And it made me really look forward to what's coming next and respect to Alec Peters. You know, one of the things that I absolutely appreciated was the style that Prelude to Axanar was set in. You know, I've been a big Halo fan for quite some time, and, uh, you know, it was, that's what got me through college was Halo. And I believe it was for Halo 3. Halo 4, of course, had Forward Onto Dawn, but I think it was Halo 2 that did the documentary about this massive battle against the Covenant on one of the outposts, if not Earth. And I've got to say, I mean, that was for a video game, that was some phenomenal scripting, phenomenal promotion, phenomenal setting. Because what they did was that, if you haven't already seen it, they did a documentary-style format where they were interviewing soldiers in their 80s and 90s or 70s, later in their lives, talking about that battle with Master Chief against the Covenant. And it was a really moving documentary for a video game. And so I remember when Alec Peters was first coming on the show and describing Prelude to Axanar, I was really hoping that that was a similar direction he was taking. And to my absolute pleasurable surprise yes he did he took it in that direction and i loved every single moment of it the cgi was awesome for being like blue screened backdrops and completely cgi composites of klingon warbirds d6s you know hovering low atmosphere firing upon axanar i mean this was a dramatic film absolute dramatic film so i'm looking at this with a bit of a like scrupulous eyes and notice things like Kate Vernon's character says that they drop, instead of saying dropping out of warp, she says, she said something else. She said like dropping off of warp or something like that. Like these little things that lore things that we've heard time and again. I'm like, oh, that's wrong. It should be dropping out of warp uh, instead of whatever it is that she said. But I mean, that's just me being hyper, hyper focused on what's going on. It's little things like that that kind of just caught my ear and caught my attention. You know, I think back to something like Star Trek comics, you know, where these terms were thrown in there that were used in the first few episodes of the original series. And this is, again, me being just hyper-focused and hyper-critical about an already phenomenal project. That's it. I mean, one or two words. That's it. That's all that got me. But man, was I totally into it. And it was a phenomenal experience. And then being able to uh, talk with Alec Peters and, and Richard Hatch after and being able to moderate the panel at the screening was an amazing experience and something I'm so very grateful that I had the opportunity of doing. But Captains, if you have not yet trekked out the Prelude to Axanar, I encourage you to do so. Visit kickstarter.com, run a search for Star Trek Axanar, and you'll be able to watch the 20-minute film. Uh, you will not be disappointed. You're going to want to see more. Uh, and I'm not just saying that. I, you are going to want to see more. This is a great story. You see, you know what this is? This is like Batman, where Batman, The Dark Knight, and the trilogy... It's a great story that just so happens to be about Batman. This is a great story that just so happens to be about Star Trek. And The Matrix is just a great story that just so happens to be about uh, Plato's Allegory of the Cave. So, yeah, Captains, yes, of course, we encourage you to check that out. Uh, again, kickstarter.com. Run a search for Star Trek Axanar or visit StarTrekAxanar.com. All right, Captains, well, that wraps up our community spotlight for this episode. Why don't we go ahead and open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming from you, our listeners. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. All right, Captains, we're at the point of the show where we open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming from you, our loyal listeners. And last week's community question for episode 184 
with the announcement of Star Trek Online's second expansion, Delta Rising, we wanted to hear all your thoughts on the announcement. The good, the bad, somewhere in between. So let's take it away. Skiffy, take the first piece of feedback. Well, first we hear from Logan Omega via Facebook. For the community question, I'm excited about the level cap being raised, but as a fleet admiral, I expect to have my space away team, which is not coming, and I find disappointing. On the other hand, I'm happy to see Harry Kim returning and finally getting a promotion. I expect that we will see Neelix and the Doctor returning too. P.S. Thank you for the coverage of the Stowe panel at STLV, where many of us could not attend. Logan, it was it was our absolute pleasure to be able to bring you the content uh, that you have grown to expect from Priority One Podcast, um, and especially at the Star Trek Las Vegas convention. I mean, uh, we were there for for you, and uh, and we wanted to make sure that we represented you as best as we could. So so thank you for listening, and thank you for thanking us on the coverage. Uh, I mean, but quite honestly, we did it for you. Yeah, I mean, Harry Kim, that was fun. It was fun to to talk to Garrett Wong. Uh, especially with uh, with Cookie bes- uh, beside me to have a microphone in his face. It was phenomenal. It was really fun to be able to talk to him about Star Trek Online and his involvement. Our next piece of feedback comes from Tarius Avaro, and they write in to us via the Star Trek Online forum post for episode 184. Likes, new story missions, new regions maps, level cap increase, lots of dev blogs, concerns, viability of current ship and equipment and forum unpleasantness. They go on to write, I ended up liking Legacy of Romulus much more than I anticipated, so I'm cautiously optimistic. I do hope there will be detailed dev blogs on the new content though. I hope explaining to us the whys and the hows will help diminish at least some of the forum unpleasantness. We talked about this earlier that um, you know a lot of what the community heard was either tweets from Priority One or Truck Radio or Stoked Radio, uh, and then, of course, uh, just regurgitated information. And sometimes it's different hearing it from a third party than it is hearing it from the horse's mouth. So I can understand that, you know, there was a bit of a a lapse of, okay, maybe maybe over the weekend, uh, perhaps a dev blog could have been released or something to to coincide with it. I just, honestly, I don't think that that Perfect World or Cryptic was ready for podcasts like Priority One to pop out a, a panel as soon as they did, you know, I, I just and, and that's not a comment as to as to their uh, their their ability to to uh, to present information. I just think that you know, knowing that most of us are volunteer organizations uh, that that rely on volunteer time and volunteer effort, that you know. For us to be able to pop out a, a podcast on Monday regarding the 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 very expansion that they had announced on Saturday, I don't think there were I don't think that that that, that had been expected, and and that's a comment more to to us than than it is to them. I mean, you know, Priority One uh, works hard to to represent the community, and we have a solid base of volunteers, and I'm so grateful for it. So I think it's a good problem to have. I like that people were able to come to Priority One first. To hear the Dev panel and to uh, and to listen to it and to listen to the Q and A after, um, and I understand I understand that maybe there, there you know people were people would have liked to have heard or read a blog, but it did all happen on a Saturday. That's for sure. I think that it's good that the community had to rely on podcasts like ours, like Priority on Podcast, to get their information. I, th- I I don't know that the community understands how important it is for the success of our podcasts for it to come out through us first. 
right? Because we, we're doing it on a weekly basis for you, you know, for the community. And it's important that sometimes, every once in a while, we, we get to it really quick. Derletia writes on the Star Trek online forum post for this episode, just listening to the podcast, the first thing which came as a shock is when they talked about the new Voyager interior. Mention is made of the new engineering deck and it is said that missions will be done there and also the description of the new race with their unique way of reproduction using DNA does appear to be the Kobali homeworld. We hear next from RTK142, why aren't you at your post, uh, via PriorityOnePodcast.com. As it stands now, I'm looking forward to Delta Rising. It should be interesting to see how the thing with the Tier 5 ships and Mark 12 gear not being made obsolete will work. I'm not sure I'm crazy about the Tier 6 cruiser they showed, but we didn't get the best look at it, so I will hold off judgment there until we see more. I'm curious to see what the new class of BOF is going to be. It could be as simple as splitting something like operations away from engineering, but I doubt that. I am looking forward to October, that's for sure. Jason and I were speculating on what this new class of BOF would be, and we were almost thinking it could be somewhere along the line of uh, promoting one of your DOFs to a captain level and having exclusive powers at that captain level. You know, maybe just one or two of them, but uh, once you promote a single BOF to to a, a captain, uh, you know, because you'd be the admiral, you'd be the admiral assuming command of this captain's ship. Uh, so having a captain with some really special abilities, almost maybe like the uh, the Tuvok abilities, or almost like the Worf abilities that were very unique in the past. You know, if they started to throw something like that in, uh, that would be really neat. But all just speculation at this point. On the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode, Azurian Star writes, "Mixed reactions. I'm happy there is more story, and we are going into the Delta Quadrant." But hearing about the Tier 6 ships and Mark 14 gear gave me a sour feeling in my stomach, especially with fleet, reputation, and even new crafting gear suddenly going obsolete. So I talked about this a little bit in, in Star Trek Online News, right? The, the, the concern is, I don't, I don't know if the concern so much is the ships th themselves, right? The, the ship itself and, and the boff layout of that respective Tier 5 ship probably won't suffer. Perhaps maybe it's the reputation gear and crafting gear. What's going to happen there, right? Because we, we've heard that the ships will be able to go through some type of upgrade system to tier six. But, you know, what, what about the current reputation? Should I quit my Undine reputation? Should I stop pursuing getting to tier five? Or should I continue because maybe those pieces of equipment will get up, updated? There are definitely sub-questions left, and I, we're, I'm sure we're going to get answers to those in the coming weeks via dev blogs and posts and interviews with, with cryptic devs. Because October is right around the corner. We're, we're looking at two months, really, uh, if that. And that'll go by relatively quickly. So uh, I'm, I'm sure that, that captains will, will get the answers to their questions very quickly. Alex Wunger writes on the Star Trek online forum post for this episode, The biggest surprise at the beginning was the reveal that Expansion 2 is slated for October. That was definitely unexpected. The fact that we will reach the rank of Fleet Admiral slash Dahar Master, it feels a little too soon. I mean, what titles are left for future rank-ups? I think reaching the rank of Admiral would have done the trick for the time being, Besides, I was really hoping for the away team in space mechanic for the fleet admirals, where you supposedly get a couple of ships under your command assisting you, like your boffs do on the ground. Sorry, I'm losing my voice, I think. 
I know that Isaiah, one of our backers for the uh, Indiegogo campaign, actually asked that question, um, but I missed it and I couldn't ask it in time. I know that there there is a question about that: is is will there be an opportunity for captains to be to be a fleet captain to be a you know? This is Captain Picard of the Enterprise. I'm taking command of the fleet. You know, and then being able to to send ships and be your pets. Um, that's pretty interesting, and I know that Jace brought up the fact that you know there were there were some people that were claiming doom and gloom because now you know what rank is there to be? It's the end of Star Trek Online. Ah. We went four years. We went four years without uh, three and a half years without a uh, without a rank increase. I I highly doubt that uh, this is anywhere near an end for Star Trek Online. Quite the contrary, it took it took this this length of time. For there to be a rank increase and uh, a level cap increase, um, and that just means that there's there's more of a future ahead, right? There's more planning, and Star Trek Online just it's not going anywhere in the in the MMO scape. M Hall eighty five commented on the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode. First of all, thank you for posting the audio for both the panel and the post panel Q and A. Most helpful for people like me who didn't go. Secondly, I am looking forward to the expansion, and I applaud the Star Trek Online team for offering the ability to do some sort of upgrading on our current ships. While we don't know much about this now, this seems like something they have intentionally made sure to emphasize as a reality. It will happen, despite the restlessness of the forums. No, you are 100% right. I mean, I've, you know, uh, our Vera made it perfectly clear that Tier 5 ships were not going to be obsolete. Um... And again, I, I, I go back to what I said in, in Star Trek Online News. If it was, if Tier 5 ships were to be obsolete, so what? Because the fact of the matter is, is that there is always technological progress, and we are now at 2410. So, I understand that we all invested time in our gears and our, our elite, uber-awesome deflector dishes and, and, and shields and all that jazz... But why wouldn't tier six ships be better than tier five ships? Why not? Why? 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 I think it hurts more for people that just got their tier five ship. I mean, they just got it. Maybe for people that have had it for a while, they're ready. But some people, they worked really hard and they just got it. And they don't have any more resources left to get a t tier six. But the, here's, here's the other thing. We, we are getting exactly what we've been asking for. It, it, it's... Uh, you know, we weren't necessarily asking for tier six ships, although we're always asking for newer, better, more powerful stuff. Uh, but we wanted more content. And what's going to drive people to this new content but new rewards? Uh, doing a level cap increase and a new mark level for gear and a new tier for ships, um, as Al pointed out uh, during the Q&A, I think it was, uh, this allows them to uh, tackle some of the problems with, uh, with power creep. Uh, this allows them to offer new rewards to compel people to play new content. Uh, it's just, it, it's it's a win in every sense. It's a little more work on our part, but again, we've been asking for more stuff. Now we're going to get it. Woody Valley commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com. Great to see you had a great time in Vegas and looking forward to further reports and interviews you may have. As for Delta Rising, I'm looking forward to it. I'd also like to pass on my thanks to Priority One, Stoked Radio, and Trek Radio for the great work in Vegas. Thanks, guys. No, thank you. I mean, had it not been 
because of listeners like you and the support that we received for our Indiegogo campaign, Priority One would not have been there. You know, Skiffy would not have been able to bring that type of, that level of professional equipment that he did to, to mic up each and every dev that was on that panel to bring you the quality of audio that was presented in, in our audio presentation of the, uh, of the Q&A. So, um, Actually, let, let me go ahead and read Siamese's comment because uh, that, that kind of directly ties into what you're about to say as well. Uh, Siamese writes in uh, on the Star Trek Online forum post, uh, Great opening. I enjoyed hearing the warp drive followed by the transporter to herald your arrival in Las Vegas. Thank you for being present at STLV 2014. Uh, your coverage of the STO dev panel is most appreciated. Uh, Priority One hosts and dev panels were easily understood thanks to the audio quality. This was a perfect complement for better understanding of the weekend's Stow forums threads with player reports, images, and speculation regarding the expansion. All I say with regard to Delta Rising is bring on those dev blogs. I mean, you know, again, and, and Grand Nagus writes, great coverage of the convention and dev panel. Thanks to everyone, and glad you all could go. Smiley face. Sensi all writes via PriorityOnePodcast.com. Love the special edition intro, guys. You should keep it. I, I appreciate it. And, you know, again, um, to just go off of that, I, you know, I, we could not have been there had it not been for the, the loyal support of our listeners. Uh, you know, without you, you know, I say it, I say it, I say it all the time and I say it every week, but it's, it's absolutely true. Without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. And, and this weekend, this past weekend is more truth to that than ever before. Um, had it not been for your support, your willingness to share it with friends and, and get people rallied behind us, uh, we would not have been able to provide that level of content. And and again, a big thanks to Skiffy and his, and his wife, Shani, for bringing us the support we needed to bring you that content. Uh, again, we're, we're so very grateful to you and, and our own internal team for, for the, the dedication that Star Trek has inspired us to, to present to one another. You know, that the dedication that Star Trek has inspired us to give towards one another. Um, I am absolutely thrilled to know that we have such an amazing community. I, uh, from the bottom of our hearts, we thank each and every one of you. We thank Perfect World and Cryptic for their support, for offering us uh, the swag that we received for our Indiegogo campaign. Um, you know, it, 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 and for their support on the, on the blogs and for reposting and for retweeting to, to Laughing Trendy and Trevor and Nick and Thomas and Al Rivera and, and anybody that I may have forgotten, thank you so very much for your support because this weekend would not have happened had it not been for you. You know, really is what it boils down to. So we're glad we could have been there for you. Each week, our social media channels are busy with your thoughts, opinions, and suggestions for the show. Please keep them coming. Reach out to us on facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast. Follow us on Twitter at STO priority one or shoot us an email to incoming at priority one podcast.com. Well, that wraps up episode 185 of priority one podcast recorded live on trekradio.net. Don't forget to subscribe by pointing your podcast catcher at feeds.priority one podcast.com. Captains, you know we love hearing from you, so let us know what you think of the show and submit your responses to our community question in the comment section on our site or on the Star Trek online forum post for this episode. Remember, this week's community question is for you to give a specific 
opinions about the Delta Rising expansion for Star Trek Online. Not just whether or not you like it, but what is it that you enjoy or what is it that brings you cause for concern? And if it brings you cause for concern, tell us why in a constructive manner so that we can then present it not only to the dev team at Cryptic Studios, but to the rest of the community. Reach out to us at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO185 or on the official post for this episode on the Star Trek online forums. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to Facebook.com slash PriorityOnePodcast and give us a like. Or check us out on Twitter via at STO Priority One. And you can even join the Priority One podcast chat in game. Just type forward slash channel underscore join space Priority One. Captains, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. Without your ongoing support, we would not be able to bring you the content you've grown to enjoy from Priority One Podcast. And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. It's a pretty good show. You should check it out. The Priority One Fleet is recruiting. If you're interested in joining, just shoot us an email with your ad handle and we'll be sure to send you an invite. The email is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Captains, a very special thanks to Alec Peters for sitting down with us during Star Trek Las Vegas this past weekend and talking about Star Trek Axanar. Thanks to the entire team behind Priority One Podcast, including our audio engineer, Skiffy. Our audio assistant, Ben Churchill, and QA support staffer, Midnight Shadow 7. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Epic Gamer Radio, Subspace Radio, and of course, TrekRadio.net. But most importantly, Captains, a big, huge, phenomenally grateful thanks to you, the Star Trek online community, our listeners, because... I've said it the last three weeks, but Captains, without your ongoing support, absolutely none of what we did this last weekend would have been possible, and we cannot thank each and every one of you enough. It's been a humbling experience, and Captain, something for the Star Trek books, something for the history of Star Trek, that you would support a podcast like ours. So thank you so very much from the bottom of our hearts. Without you, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapon. Engage. else do we have crap <laughs> later on we'll open hailing frequency and see what's incoming from you our listeners hailing frequencies i'm about to open something it's a can <laughs> and you know what's in that can convention in las vegas nevada <laughs>
didn't see that yeah. there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do I have yeah, to start please. over? Now, Captains, unfortunately, we regret that the rest of the Priority One team could not be there with us. I'm sorry. I'm you don't sound regretful. <laughs> you should have put read with sincerity. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, we regret that the rest of the Priority One team could not be w beware. Beware with us. Okay. Beware. beware. Yeah, guys. Well, I love you guys. What'd we say about staying in Vegas? This is Elijah. Prelude to Axonar review, sync one. This is Cookie. Prelude pre to Axonar sync two. Sweet. That's it. <laughs> this is Jace, screener definition <laughs> test, sync three. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is Skippy, whatever they said, sync for. You never asked what my favorite part was. Because you were like, I don't want to talk this whole time. I, I, have, I have noisy things happening in the background. This is Elijah, closing, sync one. This is Cookie, closing, sync two. This is Jace, <laughs> closing, sync three. You were, you were looking forward to him being on so quickly. <laughs> or in the official post for this episode on priority uh, come on you guys suck so bad <laughs> you almost made it Fargonaut says he can sum up his opinion on Delta Rising right now giggity giggity what? oh Jace I didn't tell you so get a load I'm of ready. this man so we were, we were get a load of this so I'm talking to my uncle, and um, oh. and uh, they're they're inducing my aunt on Friday for her to have a baby. So I asked, I I don't know if that's whatever. She's having a baby what, this weekend. What does this have to listen? So I so Emily and I were were talking about getting him, like getting the baby a, a keepsake, and we knew that the first name was was Aaron. So we were like, all right, well, is, is the baby gonna have a middle name? And uh, my uncle goes to me, "What do you think of Jace?" Yeah. <laughs> Bring it, Cute. immortalize. You say yes, I mean, definitely. No, I didn't. I, I did. I was like, I was like, I, he's not even going to nearly understand. You just say, what well, about so when yeah, you say man. that name, it brings to mind sophistication, sex appeal, <laughs> class, professionalism, and intellect. <laughs> so I encourage you to name your children after this legendary figure. Uh, <laughs> you can even join the Priority One podcast chat in game. In game. Because it, it has no curl. We'll talk about it later. Guys, Let's it's just finish completely though. We straight. Can now you're just being goofy. The bangs are pinned up. We That's always it. get like this at the end guys, of the episode. This is why I had to punch guys. all these guys when I met them. <laughs>